are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. It's about showing up every single day. It's about giving all of yourself. It's about evaluating your work. It's about innovating practice to change lives. Every single week, let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the truest and shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. I am so excited that you're here today because we are going to talk about the treatment target. And when it comes to treating speech sound disorders, the treatment target doesn't matter or little, it matters a lot. So we're going to talk about the treatment target because the treatment target is like food to your body. It's like food to your body matters so much when it comes to the health of your body. So for instance, I could work out and do one hour of cardio every day, one hour of strength every day. But after that workout, if I go and stop at a McDonald's and order myself a big happy meal, what's going to happen? I'm going to undo all of the things that I've done right, and I won't create change in the body. The same thing happens with the treatment target. You could be using every evidence-based strategy out there when it comes to treating speech sound disorders, but if your treatment target is too simple, it's like putting fast food in your body. You're not gonna see change, it's that simple. We've done so much research in this area, and I would estimate that the treatment target solidly accounts for 80% of your outcome when it comes to treating speech sound disorders. And not just for children with articulation impairment. I mean diverse groups of children with speech sound disorders, children with motor speech sound disorders, children with childhood apraxia of speech, children with phonological processes, and children with articulation impairment. Across the board, the treatment target matters, not a little, but a lot. So we look at the treatment target and the treatment target is like food for the brain. If you wanna create change in the brain, you're going to do that by having the most complex treatment target possible. I look at that and I hold my fingers up almost as if making neuronal connections in the brain. And when you have a complex treatment target, you're making a very complex neuronal connection in the brain. If you choose a simple speech sound disorder, sound treatment target, you're making a very simple connection in the brain. It's like putting sugar in your body for energy, or you could put a, a vitamin rich item in your body uh, for energy. So are you going to have vegetables or are you going to have pretzels? It might be the same amount of calories, but you're going to have a very different outcome when it comes to your brain, depending on what you put in it. It's more nutritious to put something that's more complex. When you put something simple in your brain, 
in your brain, a simple treatment target, you're not going to create change. It's that simple. That's the fast food. So when we look at that, what is a nutrient-rich treatment target? What is going to create change in the brain? What, what I always tell you is to aim as high as possible because the higher you aim, the higher the gains, period. And I find this every year with my research. When we replicate it, we consistently find the same findings. This is not due to chance. This is due to it being a maxim that, that is true across diverse groups of preschoolers. The more complex the treatment target, the greater the gains, period. So our latest study that I want to share with you today is really exciting, and I hope it really changes the way you look at L-blends. A lot of experts recommend L-blends as a complex treatment target. Let me explain why. They look at not just L-blends, but more importantly, they look at fricative L-blends. And a fricative example of that would be an F-L-blend or an S-L-blend. The reason I call it a fricative is because you have friction in the airflow. So it's a fricative L-blend, and the L is known as a sonorant, a liquid, in which the air flows over the tongue. So you have sounds that are very different from each other. They're known as maximally distinct. So you have this fricative sound in which there's friction in the airflow, and you're going to pair it, such as an S, right next to a liquid L in which the airflow just glides over the tongue. The result is complex motor coordination. So I like to take my hand and I like to rub it down like friction manner. And I like to have the other hand gliding and move them in coordination with one another. It's really hard. And that's what your mouth is doing. It's coordinating two very opposite type of movements and they're putting adjacent to one another. So in that sense, you're doing Cirque du Soleil acrobatics in the mouth. And by doing so, simpler motor coordination acts are going to more naturally and easily develop spontaneously. So it's a great concept and it works, but can we do better? So let's get, let me give an example of that. Could we choose an FL blend, which typically develops around age four years of age? So it's not that complex. Or could we instead choose on a, a better blend might be an FR blend. So an FR blend, the R is also a liquid in which the airflow, airflow glides across the tongue. But the, the difference with the FR blend is that the FR blend is more complex. It develops at five years of age instead of four years of age. It's a much more complex movement. So should we really go for the FL when the FR develops a solid year later? What about the SPL blend? SPL blend develops at six years of age. But why wouldn't we do the SPR blend, which develops a solid year later, about age seven? So these are questions to ask. Should we waste our time? Are we wasting our time if we're working on the L blends? What would happen if we worked on the R blends in which you also have the fricative airflow in the S or the F, but with the R, you have a more advanced liquid. 
would that generalize and could we spontaneously get the L when we do so? Also, would we get greater gains? Because the more complex the treatment target, the greater the gains after all. That's what we find every time, time and time again. So in this little study, I took a dozen children with speech sound disorders, all preschoolers, diverse preschoolers that received 30 minutes of speech sound disorder treatment weekly, mostly in pairs. And what I wanted to see is if I randomly gave half of the children splash as a treatment target and the other half of the children spray as a treatment target and kept everything the same. Would the children with spray get greater gains or the children with splash? What do you think? Would the children with spray make better gains than the children with splash? Also, I wanted to say, what about this L? Would the L develop naturally if I worked on spray, which is a more complex sound? Would we have that cascading effect because spray is higher up than splash and it always goes in a downward fashion? Would the splash spontaneously develop? So I did a study in which I looked at a three-month period of children receiving 30 minutes of speech therapy once weekly in pairs. And I said, would the children that had splash make better gains, which were randomly assigned splash, or spray, who would make better gains? And what I found was this. After three months of therapy, they all made great gains. On average, they made the splash group had 32% less errors on standardized single word speech testing on the CAP2. So they had 32% less errors in a three-month period. That's very impressive. But what about the group that was the spray group? They had 38% less errors. So they had 38% less errors in the spray group. So what did that tell me? In this small study, it did suggest that the more complex the treatment target spray, which develops a solid year later, the greater the gains. But let's take a closer look at the spontaneous development. Within three months, did the L spontaneously develop for children who said the word spray? They never practiced the L sound. Would the L spontaneously develop? Drum roll, please. Yes, it did. For all five of for, for five of the children, it spontaneously developed. And that was in the post-vocalic position of the word. All of them that were the, that was the case except for one. With one child, the L did not spontaneously develop in the spray group. Let me tell you about that child. That child did not glide the L in which they said a W for L. Instead, they said yeah for L. So that era is less typical. Could that have something to do with that? Is that something we should look at in the future? This is only one child after all. But these outliers, in these outliers, we can find more when we look at more children that produce yeah for L. If the error is an atypical error, is it less likely to spontaneously develop? 
that's something we'll have to look at. After all, this is only one child and it could just be due to chance or this one child having a unique um, experience in, in this spray word. But at the end of the study, there's two important takeaways. And I say these are important takeaways because this research I have done over and over and over again, and every time I've come to the same result, the more complex the treatment target, the greater the gains. Also, simpler treatment targets spontaneously develop. What I found in this study is once again, that's the case. The two takeaways are this. One, the more complex the treatment target spray, the more, the greater the results. In this case, 38% difference over 32% difference in only a three month span. That's a pretty significant difference. Secondly, I also found that the owl is going to spontaneously develop if you work on the word spray. So what does that tell me at the end of the day? At the end of the day, it tells me I probably don't wanna waste my time so much on owl blends. Now, I might make an exception if I find the child has an atypical error, for instance, in which they're producing ya for L. In that case, if I'm not seeing progress in an eight-week period, I'm going to go ahead and change my ways, and I might try directly targeting L. Would the child that produced ya for L have made progress if the word was splash? I don't know. That I would have to find out and I would have to change, the, change it to the word splash and take another eight week period and see if there's gains with the word splash, considering there might be carryover effect from our previous work spray, of course. So I want you to just take this into consideration. A lot of experts recommend Elblins, but maybe you could, we could do better and maybe we should do better because we only have 30 to 60 minutes a week to work with these children. And it's our job to create optimal change in the brain when neuroplasticity is at its highest level. What do we wanna do with our children is we wanna give them top shelf therapy. So at the end of the day, when it comes to all blends, I would have to give a Larry David, yeah. My Larry David isn't so good, my apologies. So I want you to take this information. I want you to roll up your sleeves. I want you to put it to use. And I want you to go and change lives one child at a time.